we know you can't get enough of your favorite flavors. Luckily, Kroger Free Pickup makes it easy to grab what you need without any surprise fees. Whether it's extra buns for the barbecue or those chips you just can't quit, start your cart with the Kroger app. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply, subject to availability. It's the big $10 sale, so mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. This is A Different Perspective with Kevin Randall. Kevin is a retired United States Army Lieutenant Colonel who has studied UFOs for more than 50 years. His military training has provided him with unique insight into military operations and UFO research. Kevin has investigated many of the most mysterious cases and has been consulted for dozens of documentaries and been interviewed on hundreds of radio and television programs about UFOs. Considered to be one of the leading experts on the Roswell UFO crash, Kevin has written more than 25 books about UFOs including Roswell in the 21st Century and Encounter in the Desert, a re-examination of the Socorro UFO landing. Now here's the host of A Different Perspective, Kevin Randall. And hello, this truly is A Different Perspective, I'm Kevin Randall. And I thought thought maybe we ought to change that introduction because I have actually hosted hundreds of tele- or radio shows as well. Now I I find I just that just popped into my brain for no reason whatsoever, and I don't have a good rant to go on this afternoon, so we'll just have to I'll let that go. I'm joined by Tom Whitmore, and Tom, if I call you James Whitmore, I apologize in advance. That's okay. I've heard that name before. <laughs> Tom has well, he was in uh, he was in uh, uh, them the police sergeant and them with the giant ants. I don't yes, know why, why I brought that up. Uh, Tom Whitmore has been interested in UFOs since the 1960s and has been a MUFON board member since 1995. Recently retired from his career as a financial analyst, Tom has moved to Silver Springs, Maryland, in order to be close to the National Archives, the Library of Congress, and other resources in the Washington, D.C. area. Tom's special interest is in the history of the MJ-12 affair. He focuses on the 35-year history of the question documents and claims that uh, have, claims to have come uh, into the public domain, as well as stories of UFO crash retrievals, government agency involvement, and the UFO community. Welcome to A Different Perspective, Tom. Thank you, Kevin. And I so appreciate you having me on your program. I'm very delighted to be here. 
Well, thank you very much. I was going to say, um, for those who don't know, I actually prepare for the programs. And sometimes it involves several hours of work. And uh, Tom and I had corresponded. And I asked Tom if there were some areas that he'd like to explore. And he mentioned uh, Daniel Sheehan as a UFO witness involved with the Jimmy Carter UFO investigation. And that was just one of those bizarre things because I had uh, just sent an email to Dan, Daniel Sheehan to ask him about those specific things. And I think after Tom mentioned that, I, of course, had a uh, phone conversation with Dan Sheehan. So we might, we might get into that as well because that's some fascinating stuff uh, about Carter's claim uh, well, his, his, his UFO sighting and his claim that he was going to release all the UFO information that he could, and, and then he never did. So we might speculate about one of the reasons or some of the reasons for that. Um, but, you, but the reason I wanted to talk to you is because of your interest in MJ-12. And I take it from that that you're kind of a proponent of MJ-12? Uh, not necessarily. Uh, I, I find the possibility of MJ-12 to be very intriguing. But MJ-12, of course, is controversial. And the original set of MJ-12 documents that came out with the uh, Truman authorization and the Eisenhower briefing document and the subsequent uh, Cutler-Twiney memo, those are well known to be questioned documents. And they've been thoroughly examined, uh, thoroughly analyzed, and there are so many red flags uh, in the documents that it, it's, it's almost certain that they're not authentic. Now, whether the documents are authentic or whether there was an MJ-12 or something like it, those are actually two different issues. Well, since we agree, I think, on the, the efficacy of the MJ-12 documents, especially the, the Eisenhower briefing document and the Truman Memo, what were the red flags that you noticed? What, what, what gave you pause? Well, one of the first articles I read was, I believe, by a gentleman uh, by the name of Joe Nickel. And it was in the Skeptical Inquirer, and he uh, he pretty thoroughly went over the document and and listed uh, uh, the red flags that he saw. I don't have all of those in front of me. I know that Bill Moore was uh, he was under suspicion because of the date format on the Eisenhower briefing document, the uh, the the date and the uh, you know with the comma in there. Well. And, well uh, what, what the problem is, the military format was day, month, year with no commas in it. Bill Moore's format was day, month, comma, year. And that appears in the Eisenhower briefing document, but that's not the proper military format. And I think that is a key that points back to the man who was involved in hoaxing the documents as well. It's kind of a signature signature. And I, I just mentioned that so that the, the listeners can keep up with where we're going here. Well, you know, and, and uh, I went through... Uh, at the Nash at the Library of Congress, I went through General Twining's uh, personal correspondence, and I actually found that now this is a document from the '40s, but there is a document from the from the New Zealand consulate that has that that date format on it, and I'm very that's curious. European, that that's a European format. There's documents from from NATO that are specifically written by other countries officers uh, as well. So that date format appears, but is not a, not a way that the American military would uh, would write that kind of a date format. Yes, and I agree, because Kevin, I've been through hundreds of documents, both, I'm not bragging, but I'm just stating a fact. I've been through hundreds of documents, both at the National Archives and at the Library of Congress. And in almost every instance, they're in that standard date format of day, month, year. Well, let me let me say this. Uh, I think there's a fatal flaw in the document. It doesn't relate to the dating format, and I've mentioned this before, and I've mentioned it on my blog as well. And that's the um, El Indio Guerrero UFO crash of December 1950, which is mentioned in a single paragraph in the Eisenhower briefing document. Yes, sir. That information came from a guy named Robert Willingham. Robert Willingham claimed to be a retired Air Force colonel, retired fighter pilot, and that he had been flying in his F-94 over Texas, and there was some kind of a discussion over the air, and the UFO crashed just over the border in Mexico. He went down there, and he landed his, his fighter, took a private plane and flew down there, saw it, and 
almost everybody in the 1970s, when Willingham first appeared on the stage, believed it because here's a retired Air Force colonel. Nobody bothered to get his military records. They all, we all just accepted that he had been, he was who he said he was. Eventually, and I'm saying in, after, after the year 2000, I got his military record and it turned out that he had been not a colonel in 06, as we would say in the military, but had been enlisted man and it obtained the high rank of E4. That's like a corporal or a spec four in today's environment. Not very high, high ranking. He had been in the military for 13 months. And um, if he was not a fighter pilot, then his whole story collapsed. But I also found in the um, Skylook, which was the predecessor to the MUFON Journal, uh, in March of 1968, Willingham's story of uh, seeing the UFO crash, and he put it in 1948. And he couldn't have been flying F-94s in 1948 because they weren't operational well. Operational. When I talked to Willingham, he put the date in 1954, 1955. He couldn't remember. But there's that paragraph in the MJ-12 document that talks about the, the Willingham UFO crash. And the speculation is that, it, that Bill Moore had done it because Todd Seckel had been in contact with Bill Moore wanting to write a story about the Del Rio UFO crash. And Moore put it in there to kind of wreck the idea that there had been anything of importance found there, that the thing was nearly incinerated and there wasn't a lot of evidence about it. But the real point is that story's a hoax. And if the Eisenhower briefing talk document was real, A, that story wouldn't be in it because they would have known it was a hoax. And B, the story didn't surface until 1968. So there's, there's a lot of problems. And to me, that's the fatal flaw in the MJ-12 documents. No, and I, I don't dispute that. You know much more about it than I do. And I'd just like to say, Kevin, that's a perfect example of why I admire you so much as a researcher as an, an investigator. And I hope to learn from you and work with you and, and, and uh, you know, uh, work in cooperation. And yes, the story is, from what I could tell, the story uh, had been uh, transmitted by Todd Zeckel. Now, a couple of remarks you made uh, were that Bill Moore put that in there. And, and I know that you think that Bill Moore forged the Eisenhower briefing document. You and I actually had a conversation about it in the halls uh, during a MUFON symposium. You told me that many years ago. We've actually met and talked. You may not remember. But uh, I don't necessarily subscribe. I'm not saying that he didn't. I don't know. But I don't necessarily subscribe to the view that Bill, that Bill Moore forged the Eisenhower. Were you, were, you at the, were you at the MUFON symposium when Bob Pratt and um, Barry Greenwood presented their paper about the... Um, um, yeah. The, 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 yeah. I'm very uh, familiar with that. He believed, he believed that, that Bill Moore was responsible? For, yes, uh, yes, Bill I'm Moore. very aware of that. In fact, I'm so, uh, I'm so on that article that I you know, copied it separately. I have it in its own binder. I'm very familiar with it. Well, we're going to have to take a break here. I am with Tom Whitmore, um, MUFON board member, a researcher of UFOs for many, many years, has done a lot of great work. His uh, website is Tom Whitmore blog. It's all one word, tomwhitmoreblog.wordpress.com. If you want to take a little bit more about some of the recent work that he has, uh, talked, he has done. When we come back, we'll talk about uh, some other aspects of the UFO phenomena, because I think we've thoroughly ended the any is discussion of MJ-12 at this point. My blog is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com, and I mentioned this only because I'm going to put up an article about history's Project Blue Book last night, the episode that dealt with Roswell, because it was such a mess. We will be back right after this. Don't stick around. Patty Conklin grew up in Brooktondale, New York with a unique ability. Unlike others, she could see how the vibration of words and emotions affected the physical body. She discovered how to release stored emotion and facilitate healing. 
This began today's Conklin method of cellular cleansing. The private practice grew with tremendous results, as did her reputation. More and more people sought her out, bringing her into the home for healing. She soon realized she could even teach this to others, and they could shift perception and thus prevent illness from occurring. Patty Conklin quickly became a frequent keynote speaker, and she developed a curriculum for teaching the Conklin method of cellular cleansing. For more information, visit pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N, pattyconklin.com, or call 404-474-0086. That's 404-474-0086. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. I am here with Tom Whitmore. We're talking UFOs. We were talking MJ-12, and I think we've pretty well ended that discussion. Not the fireworks I'd hoped for. We kind of all in agreement of it, but I think it might give everybody dare I say it, a different perspective on the MJ-12 documents. Uh, I don't think there's many in the UFO community that looked at them that really accept them as authentic anymore. I think most people have realized that uh, they are, in fact, bogus, and it doesn't do us any good to really do much more research on them unless they're, you're looking for some specific things. Uh, when we went away, I mentioned briefly the History Channel's program, Project Blue Book in the last night's episode. Did you see that episode, Tom? Yes, I did. In fact, I saw it twice. Uh, we got to see the preview of the episode at, at the MUFON meetings uh, this weekend. Uh, there was a MUFON meeting in, in Maryland, in Annapolis, and we had a, a MUFON meeting in, in uh, Virginia. So I got to see it twice. <laughs> and your reaction? Well, I was horrified. Um, absolutely horrified. And <laughs> And uh, uh, I, I don't want to speak ill of anyone that may have been involved in producing that program. And I'm thinking of one person in particular whose name I won't mention. But when I saw that, I thought, oh, my God, this is a hot mess. And in terms of the public perception of Roswell, it's, if, if the public watches this and pays any attention to it, their, their whole perception of Roswell is just going to blow up. It's just going to blow sky high. And like you say, Kevin, you know, we need substantive, historical, verifiable, reliable information. And this kind of a program just, uh, you know, it, it creates a mindset that, that's very difficult to work with. <laughs> well, I, in, in the past, the last season, I kind of argued that I could separate in my mind the, the fictional aspects from the factual aspects and thought it was an entertaining program. 
uh, up until I think the last episode kind of went off the rails, at least to my way of thinking. But last night, I just, uh, it takes place in 1952 as opposed to 1947, so we don't get the initial investigation. Uh, by the way, if you haven't seen it and you want to watch it, spoilers are going to come up here. Sorry about it, but there's going to be spoilers. But but like you, I was just flabbergasted by the thing. Um, they cordon off the town. They mm -hmm. uh, have guards on the roads not allow allowing people in or out. By what authority could they do that? And, of course, they didn't. What they did was they blocked certain access roads into the area where the, the thing crashed, according to what some of the witnesses have said. But they didn't block the the roads into town. They didn't hold people hostage in the town. And the one that really got me is that the roadblock and somebody opens fire from the hills. And by the way, there's no real hill around Roswell like they showed in the program. I know, I know. I've been, but, I've been out there. I mean, I've driven past there many times. And but, I'm pretty familiar with the terrain out in that part of the world. But really, what really got to me is after the shooting stops, they, uh, the guards all abandoned their post chasing the shooter. Yeah. I'm thinking you've just deserted your post, guys. You're going to be cart-martialed. That's what they should have done, was send one or two guys to chase the shooter as opposed to everybody, because you've just opened the town up. And, and, and from there it goes downhill, I guess. Um, well, the part that got me was when they beat up the poor rancher. Oh, yeah. That really stuck in my mind. <laughs> Forgot about that. I mean, there was, and Mimi Hynek joins some Ohio UFO group and convinces the guy to give her his special notebook with things in it. Uh, 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 uh. Rather than letting, I, I think at that point Hynek was still a skeptic. He was almost a debunker in 1952. Yeah, 19. He didn't really change his mind until around the time of well, first the Samora landing in 1964 gave him pause because he wasn't really couldn't really understand uh, uh, what it could have been and then after the great Michigan boondoggle of 1966 he really kind of reversed his opinions on that and argued for the reality of the situation but uh, the, the the investigation that he and Quinn are carrying out just would have never happened the jeep should have been painted blue because it's 1954 uh, 1952 and the Air Force had taken over from the Army instead of that camouflage Jeep they had and I mean just little nitpicking things like that get to me as well I just I was just horrified by that episode and it and, and what really got me at the very end they mentioned that the Mo the mogul explanation they brought that up and mm -hmm. I don't know how many times I've railed against the mogul explanation uh, I will have a blog posting up as I say and in, in the next few hours I hope and links to other things I've written about Mogul to show why Project Mogul is not the explanation. And yet at the end of the program, they said that it, you know, that was the Air Force explanation eventually. Uh-huh. You know, Kevin, I'd like to ask you a question, if you don't mind. I know you're the host and you ask the questions, but... I've In theory. Been <laughs> I've been thinking that... Uh, now, Cal Korf wrote a book uh, called Roswell, What They Don't Want You to Know. And he, he made a, a case that that uh, 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 Jesse Marcel really exaggerated things. And I'm, I've been thinking lately, is it possible that Jesse Marcel saw this debris at the Brazel Ranch and he, he thought, you know, he blew it up into sounding like it was a UFO, while at the same time, by a strange coincidence, there was actually an actual UFO crash in that vicinity, and the two somehow got all mixed together. And it was like a comedy of errors with this story coming out in the paper and then all of the side stories that we've heard about this. Do you think it's possible that maybe it was a coincidence? I think that when you look at what it, what, what they're saying it was, the Mogul, Mogul Array, that was nothing more than off-the-shelf weather balloons. And Raywind targets, which had been around for a couple of years, there was nothing to fool anybody. Uh, if if they had found the entire had found the array, as as they would have had to find a whole array instead of just one balloon or that sort of thing. Um, I, I I think when Jesse Marcel called it a flying saucer in 1947, we didn't have a definition of flying saucer. 
there were some that thought it was an, meant alien spacecraft, but in that period of 1947, it's two weeks after Arnold, and nobody's really talking about flying saucers as interplanetary craft. If you look at the newspaper clippings and the articles and, and the discussion going on at the time, um, there are scientific theories about what it could be. There's worry that it might be some kind of Soviet advance in aviation technology. There are worries or, or suggestions that it is some kind of advanced Navy project, some kind of advanced uh, Army project, uh, something from the, the air base at uh, Roswell. They were the only atomic strike force in the world at the time. The atomic bomb in 1947 was classified. And for those who want to look it up on the internet here, it was the Mark III atomic bomb, Mark M MK3 atomic bomb, uh, Fat Man. And uh -huh. some of the descriptions we get from some of the witnesses that saw things on the base sounded like a mock-up of the atomic bomb, which the size and shape was classified at that time. I think that Marcel found some strange debris he didn't understand. He brought it into the, into the base. There would have been people there had it been some kind of balloon that they would have recognized it. Colonel Blanchard ordered the press release and he wouldn't, he, had it been some kind of balloon, that would have been in the press release. So I think what they found was something that was strange to them. They didn't recognize the debris. The mogul explanation is gone as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Albert Crary, who was the chief of the uh, project, Project Mogul in New Mexico, actually it was the New York University Balloon Project, constant level, constant level balloon project. Mogul was the classified stuff going on at Wright Field and the name for the idea of sending these balloons over the Soviet Union to try to detect atomic explosions. That was classified, but the mogul name shows up in Crary's diary. So even the, the name wasn't that classified. So I just think that the um, what you had is something unusual fell in New Mexico. I don't know what it was. We've eliminated, with the help of the Air Force, all the terrestrial explanations that I know of at the moment. There may be something that we haven't discovered, but we don't have anything else. So what do you think? Well, I, I'll say this, that if a craft, uh, ET or otherwise, uh, if an alien craft crashed and was recovered, and if alien bodies and possibly a live alien being were recovered, then almost certainly some kind of special committee or group probably would have been formed to study it. Now, I don't know and we don't know, and no one in the public really knows the truth about Roswell that we can verify and substantiate. But for years and years and years, there's there have been undercurrents of rumors of this of this crash recovery, and that's as far as I can go with it. Well, I would say that um, we have General Exxon, who was a lieutenant colonel at the time, 1947, at, at Wright Field, and he talked he talked about a group of people brought brought into to study of this, and he called them the Unholy Thirteen, only because he had no other name for them. I mean, it was just something he made up in his mind. It wasn't a real name, suggesting that they were responsible for overseeing the uh, analysis of the materials that were recovered, whether it was. Uh, alien tissue samples or alien bodies or just uh, metallic debris or whatever that might have been. Uh, so we have we have a little bit of testimony from people who may have come in contact with an oversight committee, if you will. But I'm going to break it off here. We will come back and f explore this a little bit further. We've got to take our uh, commercial break here. The website is tomwhitmoreblog.wordpress.com. Mine is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. The book is Roswell in the 21st Century, and I think it looks at the uh, Roswell case as it is basically in today's environment as it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago when I first began the investigation. We will be back right after this, so please stick around. audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, 
Bigfoot, Lake Monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com, or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, X-Zone Radio TV. For more information on the X-Zone Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.xzoneradiotv.com or www.xzonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404 474 0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404 474 0086. Coming soon to the Exxon Broadcast Network is a different perspective with me, Kevin Randall, as your host. We'll be taking a close look at what is happening in the world of UFOs today with side trips into the paranormal. Guests will range from those who are household names to those who have a different perspective on a variety of topics. No topic will be taboo, but there will be tough questions asked as we all search for the truth about UFOs, the paranormal, and those things that excite us. Sometimes we'll agree with a guest and sometimes we won't, but we'll try to keep the program topical. For those of you who would like to read, be sure to visit www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com and remember to listen to the other fine programs on the X-Zone Broadcast Network at www.xzbn.net. Tom Whitmore and I am discussing Roswell for some bizarre reason. Uh, just some of the some of the aspects of it that might not have been touched as deeply as they could be. Uh, my blog has all kinds of Roswell stuff on it. I just type various things into the search engine available there, and you'll get all kinds of different articles from Walter Hott to uh, Colonel Blanchard to even Cal Korf, who is not the most reliable reporter on the Roswell case. Uh, so we, I will I'll just say that about that. Uh, when we went away, we were kind of discussing Roswell and the oversight committees. I mentioned um, General Exxon and his experiences. But what was interesting in what he said, he gave us some names of people and some offices that were involved, such as the, well, it would have been the Secretary of the um, Army at the time, as opposed to the Secretary of Defense. That hadn't come about yet. But, uh, and Hap Arnold, who was the chief of the, I think, the um, Army Air Forces, and the intelligent people who had been involved didn't exactly line up with the update list, I'll say. Um, have you run into anything like that at all, uh, Tom? Uh, some kind of suggestion of another group other than MJ-12 that's unnamed? Well, I haven't been able to really turn up anything uh, specific, but when you, when, when you look at the subject, or when I look at the subject, Kevin, it seems that uh, if if there is a group of people responsible for oversight, they, they're generally within, and very few people, but very top level of the military, in the Department of Defense, and possibly on the National Security Council. 
And that, that could have shifted around quite a bit uh, in the early years, and, and it could have evolved over the, uh, you know, over the decades that, that, that we're looking at. And so when, when, I, when we look at the structure of secrecy today, it's looking like there are certain key, key people within the Department of, of Defense if there is some highly classified project of back engineering uh, something that uh, are not necessarily an MJ-12 type arrangement. And, and I'm thinking it uh, now that it's, it's more like a matrix of people within the Department of Defense in the executive branch and possibly even private industry. Well, one of the things that Exxon said that was interesting, he mentioned um, it's former senator from Missouri being on the original committee uh, whose name escapes me at the moment. Gordon Gray? No, no. He's, um, he, he was the um, undersecretary for air power in 1947, an appointed position. And that, that was the key point. It was a, a appointed position. But Exxon had mentioned that everybody on the committee or, or who were responsible for this were um, members, high-ranking members of the military or appointees, people who would, bureaucrats who would transcend the um, administration, so they would go on from, from one administration to the next, which kind of brings me back to Daniel Sheehan, and I'll get to that in just a moment, we'll, we'll discuss that. But the idea was that um, it wasn't a formal committee, but kind of an amalgam of individuals who would have some sort of responsibility for parts of it. So not everyone had um, had had the, the uh, all the information. Uh -huh. Uh, yeah. Except at the very, very highest levels, yes. which may, which may or may not have include, included the president. Yes. And yes. so uh, uh, you know, it, it, and and from that point, I think it's morphed into other things, and it's spread out a little bit more. So, so that now no one person has access to everything, with the exception of a couple of key people who are probably bureaucrats as opposed to either military or elected officials. But that, that brings us to Dan Sheehan, and I know you've done some work on that, as have I. And the idea was Sheehan was approached uh, by members, well, bureaucrats who were kind of working for the Carter administration prior to Carter being inaugurated. He had been elected president, and he was in the, in the period of transition. And Carter had approached some people to uh, gather the UFO information that he promised to get to. Um, have, have you've communicated with Dan Sheehan at all? No, I haven't. Uh, I don't know him yet, but I, I, I have made an attempt to communicate with, with, I don't know if it's pronounced as Marcia or Marcia. Marcia, Marcia yeah. Smith. Marcia Smith, who was uh, a Library of Congress Congressional Research Service person at the time. And I sent an email to her and I haven't received a reply and the general impression that I'm getting is that she wants nothing to do with the UFO. Well, let's, let's, let's connect her to Dan Sheehan. Yeah. Uh, according to what Sheehan says, and, and this has been published as well, um, he was he, one of the people of his, in his church was a high-ranking woman and uh, found out that Sheehan really hadn't wanted to be an attorney. He'd wanted to be an astronaut. Yes. And in that discussion, um, it came up about UFOs, and she wanted to know if she she could put Sheehan in, in touch with Marcia Smith or vice versa to talk about something that uh, President Carter wanted uh, to explore. And that was how she got involved, or he got involved with her. But in my discussions with him and some things that I've seen in the last couple of days, um, as you said, she wants nothing to do with this at all and will not respond to either him or anybody else asking about UFOs. And I think she was kind of turned off by this whole whole UFO thing and the way some people are treated when they report UFOs. Uh-huh. No, it's, 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 um, it's rough and it's mean. <laughs> well, I think that we, you know, we look at that. I think the important point is Sheehan had attempted to gather some of the information that, that President Carter had wanted and failed in his attempts. But he, this uh, I, I think she 
approached him to see if he could get some information out of the Vatican, yes. out of the Vatican archives. Yes. And I believe that he, he was turned down on that. And then he made a counter request to her to be able to look at the, quote, uh, classified blue book files. Well, actually, the, you and I have had a discussion about that term. Actually, actually, um, I think what happened was he, he at that point he was done and um, they had approached him to go with a couple of astronauts to Congress, said his budget budget had been been cut. And so he said, yeah, I'll do that. But I want to see the classified blue book files first. And so he yeah. got involved with the um, the astronauts lobbying uh, Congress for for that. And then the SETI guys were real excited about uh, that. And they wanted to talk to him about UFOs in sort of a closed door session. And he wanted the classified um, blue book stuff. And that, that bothers me because I'm not sure that there was a lot of classified blue book stuff. And I pressed him on this point. Uh, did you ask specifically for classified blue book stuff? And he said, yes, he didn't ask for just classified UFO material or anything generic. He wanted it specifically. And while I believe there's classified UFO material out there, um, if he didn't ask for it specifically, I can't believe they would volunteer it. Oh, yeah. And but I think if we put ourselves back in that time period, Kevin, that the public, I don't think, was aware of any other term to refer to government documentation on UFOs, except Blue Book. So it would be logical that Daniel Sheehan might request the information using the phrase classified Blue Book files. Well, I am, I when am in a... reality, there was, there was, you know, a separate, uh, there was a separate tranche of classified material that was supplied that really wasn't part of Project Blue Book. Oh, I, I, yeah, absolutely. I, I, my point was that if he had specifically narrowly requested classified blue book material, and I can see him doing that because, as you say, uh, those who are not really into the UFO field weren't aware of some of the other things going on, like the Bolander memo, which is General Bolander said in 69 that the really hot cases weren't part of the blue book system. But I, um, but I can also see government bureaucrats answering the question you asked as opposed to volunteering anything. So if you ask for classified blue book material, that's all you would get. Well, and there, <laughs> I've heard of certain insiders, when you deal with them, you have to ask the right question in just the right way specifically to get the information that you're looking for. And that if you don't ask it in just the right way, you're not going to get it. But I, I don't know, somehow, if, if all this is true and he saw what he saw and it happened the way that he described it, uh, I, I don't think that it was that kind of an interaction. I think that, you know, he, uh, Marsha Smith was trying to get information from his side and he was trying to get information from her side. And somehow arrangements were made for him to see this information. And, and it all started by President Carter trying to live up to his campaign promise. Yes. Now I there's... Well, there's... I, I, I'm going to have to take a break here, and I, I think I know where you're going. What I was going to say, it is interesting that one of the first things he requested was the UFO information before he was even inaugurated as a president. Yes. And yet when we get to the end of his presidency, he says nothing about that. That's and right. I think that's that's an area that we we should get into in the next segment. I think that'll be something that'll be interesting to to explore. Yes, I, I am, have something to share there. I am with Tom Whitmore. He of MUFON. His website is tomwhitmoreblog.wordpress.com. Tom Whitmore, all one word, all lowercase. Mine is, of course, Kevin www.kevinrandall.com. And um, as as usual, I'll put other links up on the uh, analysis of this program when we're done with it. Uh, so you can take a look at some of the other aspects to the things we're discussing. And as I said on MJ12, I've got a lot of stuff on my blog. And take a look at my book, Encounter in the Desert, which is about the Lonnie Zamora sighting, which I think is a very important sighting, especially with some of the information that I was able to discover in my research there. We will be back right after this with Tom Whitmore. So please hang around for a while.
If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Joined by Tom Whitmore, and we're talking UFOs. We're talking President Carter and his UFO uh, messages, I guess, his, his, his wanting to disclose everything that the government had about it, which he failed to do. And when we went away, we were kind of moving in that direction. And I had mentioned that I found it interesting that he, one of the first things he'd done before he was even president, he was just the president-elect, was his attempt to get information about the UFO 
situation was denied by the um, director of central intelligence, the information. And I can understand how that happened, given the given the circumstances and who President Carter was at that moment. I was stunned that he never followed up on this stuff. Uh, and and, and uh, Tom, you mentioned some interesting information you'd come across. Yeah, I'd like to share this with you, Kevin, and with the audience, because this is something that that I've really uh, I, I've really had an important feeling about. There was uh, a ditty in the U.S. News and World Report magazine on April 18, 1977, in the Washington Whispers column. This is U.S. News and World Report, and I have I have a good friend who helped find the date uh, on this. I went to the Library of Congress uh, science section. I was able to pull the actual hardcover of the magazine. I've taken a picture of the page. It's on my blog, and I want to read this to you because this is important. This was in April of 1977, a couple of months after Carter took office. And it said, before the year is out, the government, perhaps the president, is expected to make what are described as unsettling disclosures about UFOs and identified flying objects. Such revelations based on information from the CIA would be a reversal of official policy that in the past has downgraded UFO incidents. That was in the US News and World Report. And that was and that was beginning in the time frame after um, President Carter was in, inaugurated and he was continuing to press on some of these issues to gather additional information about UFOs. So we, we get up through March and April of 1977 with them still pressing for the information. But as we all know, nothing ever happened. Well, and there's now this gets into the rumor, myth, question, documents area. But there is a document out there. It's on the Internet that is allegedly a briefing for President Carter. And it covers a lot of the. Uh, allegations and the claims that have been made uh, basically in the UFO cover-up live program and since then about, you know, uh, the Roswell recovery and alien, a live alien being kept as a US, with the U.S. government and uh, being from Zeta Reticuli, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, was Carter briefed? Did, did that actually happen? Maybe it did. I don't know if we can ever know for sure. Well, you're a, you know a lot about UFO. You've studied for a long time. Um, do you accept that document is authentic? No, not necessarily. Now, what the doc, the people that have put that document on the internet are saying that it is actually a recreation from memory that there was uh, uh, several people that briefed President Carter. And one of the names that has been mentioned as one of the briefers was this person by the name of Dale Graff. But they, from memory, they uh, recreated uh, the briefing as, as they could remember it. So is, it's, is it it's obviously not, uh, it's not an authentic original document. Is, is this the same document that Linda Howe saw in the office of Richard Doty? It's very similar. It's not exactly the same. I've, you know, I'm familiar with both of those because uh, I believe that Bill Moore published that 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 version of the document in his in his book. Uh, but this this one is is it's very similar, but it's somewhat different too. Does it mention? Does it mention? It mentions other UFO crashes, correct? I think it mentioned one other crash, but it was like in 1958. It wasn't the. It didn't mention the. You know the El Indio Guerrero crash. Well, I was thinking actually. I was thinking about the Kingsman crash, that um, I think Bill Moore mentioned in in his. Or Linda, I guess Linda Howe might have mentioned when she uh, said what she remembered from seeing the document. Yeah, and you know, you know as well as I do, there have been numerous. There's a long list of alleged crashes. Yeah, they're just raining out of the sky. Yeah, these guys, these guys are just the worst engineers. They come to Earth and their their spacecraft fall apart. Yeah, it just can't. We can't even depend on the aliens, can we? <laughs> yeah, 
and and but but they're so far advanced we haven't been able to figure out much of what their how their spacecraft works so we're kind of left in the dark on that as well well we're not very smart either are we <laughs> well i am but uh you can speak for yourself okay well i'm not very smart also <laughs> just just a little humor uh, so you don't you don't accept the documents as authentic, but there might there might be some elements of truth in them based yes. on uh, other other things. But it's the, the thing. Is, the thing is, Kevin, in in life is, and I'm just speaking as I see it. There's there's white information, and there's black information that's false, and there's gray information. And I think in this field, in this whole field of MJ12 and crash saucers and documents. It's, it's very gray, it's murky. And so I, I'm trying to avoid taking a really hard line on anything. I'm trying to keep an open mind and, and put together what in my mind is a history of the MJ-12 affair, which is actually the people that, that have been involved in bringing the documents into the public domain and the documents that have come into the public domain and the claims that have been made and all that is, is what I call the MJ-12 affair. And then in, in addition to that, there's what I call the MJ-12 legend. And, and that, th those are all the notions that are associated with the MJ-12 committee itself. Well, I always looked at that uh, kind of like uh, from the movie Fletch, when his boss asked him about the reporting he's doing. And Fletch says, well, we're in a kind of a gray area there. And he says, how gray? And Fletch says, charcoal. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, and, maybe and so. And I'm thinking a lot of this falls into the charcoal gray area. Uh, well, because I mean, there's, there's an awful lot of people in the UFO field who are more interested in their 15 minutes of this in the spotlight than they are in really pursuing the information to its ultimate source and, and finding the ultimate truth, whatever that truth might be. But if, if we have a situation where they have recovered craft and or bodies, and maybe even a lot more, it, it, it is so highly classified that we can't get at the truth. And the only information that we're getting is so-called whistleblowers and question documents that are put into the public domain. But an awful lot of those whistle, whistleblowers, you cannot verify their credentials. I think, again, of Robert Willingham, whom everybody accepted and said, well, here's a picture of him in his Air Force uniform in, in the 1960s. How do you explain that? And I looked at the picture and said, it's because it's Civil Air Patrol. It's not an Air Force uniform. Uh, uh, you know, here's, here's a whistleblower talking about a crash that he made up completely and totally and as, was accepted for literally decades before we discovered that uh, Willingham was the most honest person coming down the pike. Yes, sir. I don't dispute that. But, I mean, so you've, you've got an awful lot of people who... I, I guess, as I said, don't don't follow the sources to the ultimate truth, whatever wherever that truth takes them. And I and I fear uh, we see way too much of that in the UFO field. Yes. Well, it's and it's it's very easy now. You just go on the internet, you type something in the search box, something comes up, and and you get your kicks and your jollies, you know. From uh, and and if you have a bias or something you want to believe, you just Google that and you find things that support it and you read that and, and you feel real great about, uh, you know, what you're reading. It supports what you want to think. There's a lot of that going on. But, but what, me, you, what you need to do is look at the pro arguments, kind of confirming your bias, but you need to look at the con articles as well and see is there something here that raises the red flag that I may want to check out a little bit further to see if, if this document can be trusted because of this red flag. And, and, and granted, you know, in looking at question documents, people make mistakes, people create errors, and, and a red flag may be nothing more than just a, a mistake. But you've got to take a look at that and see if it fits into the overall program. Yes, sir. And, and there, I, I'm trying to look at it from an in, inductive reasoning standpoint. For example, I've got I've, I've got four possible hypotheses in front of me. Like, for example, there's there's the straight ET idea, and then there's the ET plus the non-material idea, and then there's the government mi 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 military manipulation. Uh, there are some people that are that are pushing that, and then there's the no government or military uh, knowledge or or involvement with it at all, basically. 
So what, what I can do is as, as I'm collecting information, Kevin, I can look at what information tends to support each hypothesis and what information or lack of it tends to not support it. And, but at the same time, I'm not taking a hard line on any one thing. Well, we're going to have to leave it there because we're out of time. Let me thank you for taking time this afternoon to speak with us. This is Tom Whitmore. His, uh, his blog is tomwhitmoreblog.wordpress.com. Mine, of course, is www.kevinrandall.blogspot.com. I remind you people this all the time. You never seem to visit. I don't know why. Show up once in a while, make a comment. Always appreciate the feedback. Next week, I will be joined by Peter Davenport. We'll be talking about uh, his UFO uh, reporting center. We will be talking maybe about the drones in Colorado and uh, Nebraska. Get an idea of what that might be and if it relates to the UFO phenomenon at all, or is that some kind of trustfully based thing going on in Colorado? I will be back in 167 hours with uh, Peter Davenport. We'll talk UFOs. So look for our program then. Thanks for listening. <laughs>